Newcomers, I suggest you make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You find, I don't know how many audios are up there now, there's well over a thousand audios and always growing. And I go through the system, the big system you're born into, and explain uh, the guys behind it, the guys who gave you your reality. And they really did give you reality because they hired thousands and thousands of think tanks and specialists to work around the clock uh, every year for the last hundred years basically to guide society the way it should be guided into the perfect society, to suit the masters, you see. And it's well documented by those involved. The history is definitely there, and uh, it cannot be denied. So help yourself to the audios here and find out what's all behind it. You'll find most of your reality is nonsense, uh, including even your behavior, in fact, and the modes you adopt in your culture, because these guys give you your culture. They run the media, the entertainment industry, everything, to make sure you're the, the ideal, uh, basically, earhead for your era. And it's, they've done it to us all, generation by generation. It's all a science, you see. And find out how it's done, who who's behind it, and the big players that came out and published their books about it, that were heavily involved in the whole process. And also to remember you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as, as, as guests who are there to sell their products. And I don't have shares in companies that sell products. All I have is the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com to help me take over. And if you'd like to help me out, buy them, and you know, or you can donate. And you can go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com to find out how to do it. And you can also donate, as I say. Uh, or buy these things. Now, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can use PayPal or send cash. Across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations, remember, are awfully, awfully welcome in these austere times. I'm not building an empire here. I'm just trying to get the truth out. And what a truth it is as we go through the farce of politics, which is just uh, a punch and duty show for the public, you don't vote a new guy in, you vote the whole bunch out, you're sick of them, that's how it works. And you go from left to right and left to right, and you always vote them out after a time, you're so sick of them. And that stops you having rebellions every so often. And of course the politicians are just that, they're the front men put in by, their, as their own historian said, that it comes from foreign relations. Every president, prime minister has been a member of this organization for a hundred years at the top. So, across the world, by the way, which means that they're just the showmen. And they're there to take the rotten tomatoes and all the curses and all the rest of it. That's their job, is that the one agenda, this one agenda steamrolls ahead with everyone involved in it, because there's no other agenda, just the one. And we're going into the stage now where we're completely global, as you know, and we're selling off assets across uh, our, our own countries to overseas. That was planned out in the 1990s at the big two year meeting they held in France. Every country attended, and they drafted up this legislation so that any outsider, any country, 
to invest in your country and you had to go by their rules and their paychecks, etc., not your own. If you tried to deny them, they were allowed through the World Trade Organization to sue you, your country for billions of dollars and pounds. That's actually happened to some countries already. So it's the sell-off of nations under the guise of unifying the worlds under a global system. And that is the, your future. That really is your future. They've been teaching students for years and some of the better uh, universities, the higher up ones, Ivy League, to learn Chinese, for instance. And they have been, many of them have been brought up with Chinese nannies for the last 20 years because the future will be for them as China dominates the world as it's intended to, it was planned to do, not by China, but the ones who've already ruled the world. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and it really is such an amazing system we live through, because you understand there's only one system. There's one system, and you see the same MO wherever you go. You know it's one system. Uh, Canada, Britain, other countries, uh, after that 1990s meeting, when they went through uh, the selling off of assets and infrastructure to private overseas investors, uh, they all rampaged ahead and saw off the water supplies, the, the roads, highways, everything. Rothschild did it in Britain. People threw forth the bill to privatize the roads. And everything skyrockets in price, electricity, everything. Well, Australia is doing the same thing. And it says here, because the, everything is catching up now rather quickly too. It says the state government, this is West Australia, the state government should sell the nation's superannuated funds, most of Paris' electricity system, all ports, and even convert major roads to tollways under a plan to slash debt, <laughs> same excuse, eh? and free up cash for desperately needed uh, magnets. Sorry, it says projects here. It says infrastructure Australia uh, believes Verve, Western Power, Fremantle Ports, the Water Corporation and Forest Products Commission should be sold in a move that would reap the state tens of billions of dollars. Verve could be worth $2.5 billion to the state government, Fremantle Ports $500 million, and the Water Corporation more than $5 billion. That's the going, it's going for a song. It says the authority believes by selling publicly owned assets, and it's publicly owned assets, the authority believes, that the, understand the wording of this, the standard wording, the authority believes by selling publicly owned assets, that's supposed to be all yours, the nation's infrastructure deficit could be turned around, while the assets themselves would be better run and at a lower cost. As well, get gouged as they privatise it and skyrocket the prices. We've all found that out elsewhere. doesn't stop the same con, though, you see. It's a worldwide con. It has to go. It's one agenda. This is a false productivity commission report this week that urged the privatization of West Australia's electric network, saying it would help keep a lid on power prices to consumers. Now, they've already told us at many world meetings that they have to pay about 10 times more power for power than you're paying right now. It's already started in Ontario. They've told us that from the, the power company, the private power company that was sold off to. This is Infrastructure Australia reports. Prompted by continuing higher levels of government ownership and complaints, particularly by industry groups that states have been unable to keep up with providing infrastructure necessary for the economy to operate productivity. So they go into the, into the reasons why they got to sell it off, basically. This is the con game. This is at the same time Australia super fund hold more than one trillion dollars in assets. 
National Infrastructure Coordinator Michael Deegan said states would sell many assets and sink proceeds into schools, hospitals and roads. What's the point in doing that when we privatise the roads? Governments around Australia need to explore new methods of financing and developing infrastructure needed to improve national productivity. It's all productivity, you see. That's our job in life, is to be a producer, as according to United Nations. And then you find this one here about Canada. And it says here, it says, by November, the first three of China's national oil companies will have more power to shape Canada's energy markets as well as challenge the politics of this country than the Canadians themselves. And they go on to say that you can thank Prime Minister Stephen Harper for this economic treason. No, you see, they say that deal was struck in the 90s. For two years, they kept out the mainstream media as best they could. CBC did touch on it at one point, and they let one person in who was a communist from Canada and only asked nothing but Canadians. She says, uh, she says um, I just hope you treat the Chinese workers well in your own country. And that was what she really went for. But it was a signed deal then, trying to keep the lid on this. Every country was involved. So long before Harper came along. The new agreement will not only support more foreign takeovers of Canada's natural resources, but pave the way for CNOOC's dramatic $15 billion purchase of Nexon. That controversial deal, which the majority of ordinary Canadians oppose, presents uh, the largest ever overseas takeover of any firm by a Chinese national oil company. Both the trade deal and Nexon sell-off prove that no one betrays Canadian interests better than a right-wing prime minister. It wouldn't matter who it was in, because left-wing, they all signed it too. Actually, they came up with that idea for the French um, two-year meeting. Beholden to the interests of big oil and the myths of free trade. Now, every literate Canadian recognises that Harper, the libertarian economist, has been flying uh, kites with pipeline lobbyists funded by China's national oil companies, as well as the one percenters now ruling China for some time now. Given that the oil consumption in the U.S. is steadily dropping and that the incompetent petro state of Alberta has flooded the market with bitumen due to bad planning, planning, low royalties and sheer stupidity, Harper is frantically trying to save his Tory cohorts and their special petroleum interests by peddling bitumen to Asian refiners at any cost. He's prepared to sell out Canada in the process. Well, as I say, it was his turn again and carry on with the same agenda. And it says, in fact, Chairman Harper, and that's what members of his own party are calling him, crafted an omnibus bill last spring that cancelled federal science programs, gutted critical environmental legislation, made it easier to pollute water, centralise federal power, diminish protection for endangered species, and attacked environmental groups. The bill not only makes it easier to build Northern Gateway, but it serves some of the least transparent and most corrupt corporations in China, called Sinopec and CNOOC. But Harmer's ominous bill, which declared Canada formal entry into the ranks of dysfunctional petrostates, was but window dressing for the Canada-China Foreign Investment Promotion and Protection Act. The, the, the mainstream have already touched that. that Canada-China Foreign Investment Promotion and Protection Act, FIPA. It's the most significant trade deal since NAFTA, but you won't read much about it in the national press. Given its deplorable content, Harper appropriately inked a massive giveaway in Vladivostok last month and then quietly tabled the deal in Ottawa without so much as a press release. Osgood Law Professor Gus Van Harten, an expert on such international doings, quickly found out why. After reading the brief document, he declared it a travesty and a formidable assault on Canada's democratic traditions. I wonder what they were. For starters, the deal gives Chinese investors more rights and protections than Canadian entrepreneurs could ever win in China's incredibly corrupt markets. 
Moreover, the deal allows Chinese companies to sue Canada outside of Canadian courts. That's through WTO. Remarkably, the lawsuits can proceed behind closed doors. This shift to secrecy reverses a long-standing policy of Canadian government. Appallingly, the treaty would give Sinopec, one of the big Chinese backers of the Northern Gateway Pipeline, the right to sue the government of British Columbia if it blocks the project. Sinopec could also demand that only Chinese labour and materials be used on the pipeline. Well, they're already bringing in them for the for the for the mines that they're putting up in Canada. They're bringing in mainland Chinese. I read that last week. Moreover, the treaty gives Chinese state-owned companies the right to full protection and security from public opposition. And since the agreement, like all bad deals, comes wrapped in a totalitarian paper, the deal does not require provincial consent, it comes without any risk-benefit analysis, and it can be ratified into law without parliamentary debate. The more Harper wants to do business with China, the more he acts like another th- uh, tank in the Tiananmen Square. Barring a revolt within Harper's own party, the trade deal automatically becomes law on November the 1st. And it says, to date, Elizabeth Mayley of the Green Party is the only politician demanding an emergency debate in Parliament on a, a treaty that will deliver reduced sovereignty and reduced democracy and all for more Chinese ownership of Canadian resources. Well, it makes no difference because I say the left wing, look at the left wing in, in Australia and how well they're doing with their deals here with the Chinese too. So uh, forget this left wing, right wing stuff. That's the con. It's one agenda. And any politician of any party, whenever they're in power, is going to continue the same agenda. They've been doing it since the 90s, by the way, as I say, for those who don't know. And then this one here, uh, it's another one too. It's uh, in two weeks, Prime Minister Harper could pass the most secretive and sweeping trade deal of a generation. It's with the same thing, and it's really a protest. If you want to add your name to it, you can protest to it and, uh, and just send it in for all the good it will do anyway. As I say, every country in the world signed on to this this deal in the West, I should say, including Far East Australia, New Zealand, and so on. They all, always had planned to, to sell off all your assets and so-called publicly owned assets, not that you really own anything at all. And this article here is from Britain, from Scotland, actually. That really is the test bed for the new man and woman, you see. I think there won't be any men, really. They'll have a new name from after they've finished. But it says... I've mentioned this article before, this, this particular topic. Inverclyde Council has taken GIRFEC, G-I-R-F-E-C. GIRFEC was, was, came, came out from Sarkozy and a whole bunch of them who were involved in creating this new society, birth to death, uh, monitoring, uh, behaviorisms involved. You have to see psychiatrists, psychologists from childhood, all, all children, by the way. And they come into the homes and, and study all the parents and to train the new generation that the way that they want them to be the perfect little, you know, clones. So the council has adapted the Gerfic uh, Shinari Wellbeing Indicators. It sounds nice, that well-being, eh? To get it right, uh, not just for every child, but for every citizen and community as well. It's got a chart to the right to show you how it works. Angela Edwards, and I can't find anything on this woman, her background or whatever. The council's head of inclusive education, culture and corporate policy. Now think about this. The council's head of inclusive education, culture and corporate policy explains all authorities will be using the well-being indicators to plan in children's services. But we don't just want a, a nurturing class or a school. What's a nurturing class? Is it somewhere they stick a, a tit in your mouth with milk in a bottle or something, you know, and you suck on it? We want a nurturing authority. I can imagine that's where they splatter all over your face when you're going to complain. We adapted the descriptors so they could be applied to the whole council. 
So where the council is planning a new road or refurbishing a museum, the well-being indicators drive that planning. Any child who lives in Inverclyde becomes a citizen of Inverclyde and lives in a community in Inverclyde. It's about trying to impact on that child's whole life, says Ms. Edwards. So in other words, it's about bringing you up from, from a baby, basically, monitoring you the whole way, and they come in with other agencies if they think you're wandering from the design path you're supposed to be on and engineering a society. That's what it's about, you see. And it says the vision for a nurturing Inverclyde is focusing on making Inverclyde a place which nurtures all its citizens. Big brother. It's actually big mama. You know, ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to have a good quality of life, good mental and physical well-being. Because the way to check your mind all the time. Getting it right for every child, citizen and community. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. Cutting through the matrix, talking about the big kaleidoscopic system we're in where we have lots of bread and circuses etc and most things really are bread and circuses your politicians are bread and circuses take all the bread and give you a circus but the thing is people never catch on to it because because you see they're not the bosses the guys above them are the bosses I've gone through the history of the Royal Institute for International Affairs comes from foreign relations across the whole planet set up by the big banking boys that's the ones who lent to nations the biggest moneylenders, with 13 families. And they set up their own little club. They eventually got a royal charter, uh, so the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations uh, across the rest of the world. And they decided to take over all the resources of the world, run it properly, and the wise men would run the world properly, all these tall guys. And um, that's where it's all going. They draft up all the amalgamations. They actually drafted up the amalgamation for Europe. They, they did it. They admit that. They drafted up the plans for NAFTA. They came on television in Canada and admitted it openly. We don't vote these guys, and they're a private organization, a private club of incredibly wealthy people. They own all the media. And we sit and just uh, take it, of course. We watch this. Most of folks get sucked back into the politics again. It's like a big circus when it comes on. And that's why it works all the time. You know, who are you going to vote for, that, that guy or that guy? And, you know... It's just astonishing how it works so well. And I just, I left politics a long time ago after I realized what it was. And even then, luckily I'd never been in it. So it's rather transparent. When you realize there's a big agenda run by much bigger minds at the top. And they wanted an integrated world and they would own all the natural resources through all their thousands of corporations that they own. They understand for all the thousands of corporations out there. They amalgamate them and amalgamate them because, you see, you've got to have monopolization of anything, including the media. You even have that on different radio hosts as well. Monopolization. You knock all the rest of the competition out. And they've done it all through business. And these are all the front organizations with the major shareholders of the same guys who are the world's moneylenders. Gives the appearance of competition. And also at the same time, too, as you bring down your culture into destruction, utter destruction, as I say, of the, the, your, your particular cultures. It's, it's all done as far as I'm concerned, and it's over with, step by step by step. It didn't take long at all. And I've mentioned Jimmy Savile, for instance, at the BBC, one of many pervs working there. It's got a lifelong history of perversion in the BBC. It's generally little boys they're into, but uh, they're trying to keep that out as best that they can. And they got about Jimmy Savile, and no one knew, of course, 
the ones who are all around him, because he can't open up the can of worms, because, see, the British government owns the BBC. It's been the biggest communist propaganda agency out there forever. And they've put on the perverted stuff and deculturalized the public into perversions with all their terrible dramas and all the rest of it over the years. And this article here goes on about lab- the Labour government faces, Labour and Liberal, faces embarrassment over its calls for a wide-ranging inquiry to Jimmy Savile as a senior party figure. Uh, figures have previously called for the relaxation of child sex laws. You understand, Savile wasn't alone. There's a lot of pervs above him all pushing for this inter, what they want to call intergenerational sex. I've mentioned it many times. I mentioned years ago, in fact, at least in 98, on the radio that you will see live sex performed on television, dramas, comedies and so on. Live sex is, is coming. Step by step is coming. And, uh, and even child sex as well. That's going to be mainstream. And there'll be no such word left as, per, as pedophilia, you see. That's been uh, agreed at world meetings. I've mentioned the world meetings and been through them before. Anyway, it says that Harriet Harman the opposition uh, deputy leader said the allegations that the TV and radio presenter abused dozens of young boys and girls had cast a stain on the BBC and other trusted institutions. Who trusts them? But at the time Savile was at the height of his fame, Miss Harmon was calling for the relaxation of the child of the law on child pornography. This is a top politician for the left wings, you see. And she was a leading light in the pressure group now known as Liberty, which advocated the lowering of the age of consent to 14. That's what they wanted to lower. See, this lower it once and you need to lower it again until this, you can go babies. You know. The organization then run by the health secretary under Tony Blair, Patricia Hewitt, even counted amongst its affiliates a number of extreme pro-pedophilia groups whose leaders were later jailed. They're still there, though, still out there. It means that any independent public inquiry into the culture that allowed Savile to abuse children for so long with impunity can end up looking into the radical left-wing demands for the liberalization of child sex laws that were made in the 1970s. And it says, Tim Lawton, the former children's minister, says, it's rather eyebrow-raising to see Harriet Harman's newfound zeal for clamping down on sexual exploitation of children, given that she was decidedly dodgy on the subject when she was part of an organization calling for the relaxation of these laws. These are top people running your government. Well, they're not running your government. They run the low-down parts, like the culture and stuff. It says, what we are seeing now is the result of a culture of complacency which has allowed celebrities and others to cover up their crimes and Harriet Harman must share some of the blame for not taking these matters more seriously. Now, I think you have to get even further than that and find out what's in this woman's head that she was, she's wanting uh, child sex uh, and all the laws relaxed. What's she into? Huh? What's she into? She belonged to the groups, folks. As says, the Daily Telegraph first disclosed in 2009 in the 1970s, the extreme end of the sexual liberation movement included groups who openly campaigned for the abolition of the age of consent. The Pedophile Information Exchange and Pedophile Action for Liberation affiliated themselves to the National Council for Civil Liberties. You never, you never imagined that was under that. National Council for Civil Liberties was all a pedophilic run organization, now known as Liberty. Liberty before puberty. I guess I want to get puberties as well. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, reading about the pervs that run the, the, your, 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 what you think is government and what they've been up to for an awful long time is they destroy the cultures for everybody, you see. And again, nationally they're tied in with all the, the, the entertainment industry, the BBC, etc., as they push their filth across the planet and make things that used to be abhorrent. Uh, quite natural to do, you see. They always do it in a different situation and, and the music playing and all as a rape children and stuff like that. Anyway, it says here, it said here that, um, the National Council for Civil Liberties, which was actually the part of the pedophile action for liberation, <laughs> pedos for God's sake, it says, says here, a complaint to the press watchdog about their treatment by tabloid newspapers and in one article admitted it had plenty of contact with the PIE, you know, the PIE, it's a pedophile information exchange, a piece of the pie, and argued that children are harmed by having to go to police and courts after they've been raped by an adult. Sorry, it says here, a mutual relationship with an adult. That's how they try to get round it. Oh, it's doing the children harm having to go through the police and complain about this. It's, you know, a mutual relationship. In 1976, the NCCL submitted a response to the government's plans to reform sex laws that was dubbed a Lolita's Charter, as it claimed childhood sexual experiences willingly engaged in with an adult result in no identifiable damage. That was a big rage back then. That in Canada too, by the way. The organization said that children as young as 14 should be able to consent to sex to reduce the harmful effects of their present laws, which get the people who seduce and pervert them, you know. <laughs> Just astonishing what's been going on, but folk really... You can't shock folk with this now because they've all been contaminated with watching all the rubbish on television. Anyway, it says it went on to say it is logical for the age of consent to be abolished, but we fear it would not be politically possible. Ms. Harmon, uh, then a newly qualified solicitor, joined the group as legal officer two years later. In April 1978, she wrote the NCCL's response to the Protection of Children Bill, which was put before Parliament in order to tighten the laws on child pornography by banning indecent images of under-16s. It claimed that the new law could lead to damaging and absurd prosecutions and increased censorship. Oh, we can have censorship. She suggested that pornographic photographs or films of children should not be considered indecent unless it could be shown that the subject had suffered and that the prosecutors would have to prove harm rather than defendants having to justify themselves. The NCCL submission stated, although this harm may be of a somewhat speculative nature, where participation falls short of physical assault, it's nonetheless justifiable to restrain activities by photographer, uh, which involve placing children under the age of 14 or arguably 16 in sexual situations. We suggest that the term indecent be qualified as follows. A photograph or film shall not, shall not be for this purpose be considered indecent by reason only that the model is in a state of undress. These are the pedos, pedos demanding all this up there with all the politicians who are pedos obviously themselves. Obviously. It says where, 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 whether complete or partial, be unless it be proved uh, or is, is to be inferred from the photograph or film that the making of the photograph or film might be reasonably be expected to have caused the model uh, physical harm or pronounced psychological or emotional disorder. It added our amendment places the onus of proof on the prosecution to show that the child was actually harmed. So in other words, it's all the victim's fault, you see. Let's put all the onus on them. Ms. Harmon left NCCL in 1982 when she was elected Member of Parliament for Cumberwell and Peckham, interesting name, by which time several members of PIE had been jailed for conspiracy to corrupt public morales.
A spokesman from Ms. Harmon said, This allegation is an outrageous slur. Harriet has fought for child protection from sexual abuse over the last 30 years. Any attempt to suggest otherwise is untrue and malicious, it says. It's completely untrue that she supported the lowering of the age of consent to 14. She supported equalizing the age of homosexual consent to make it the same as the age of heterosexual consent, which is 16. Actually, in Canada, it is in Canada, I think think it's 16 heterosexual, but they actually got it lowered for anal sex uh, to down to 14 for folk who don't know that. So it's the same agenda in Canada and elsewhere this year. This is a world organization, you understand. It's a world agenda. It's a world agenda. And as I said before, too, you will see live sex on, on the on the jaded screen. You know, you're coming down bread and circuses down in the end as your countries are plundered by foreign corporations, including your politicians and businessmen. Uh, Nicole Kidman quits a real sex film. It says, Nicole Kidman has reportedly quit the new movie Nymphomaniac after finding out she had to have real sex on the screen. The 45-year-old actress was due to star alongside Uma Thurman, Charlotte Gainsborough, Stellan and Skarg, uh, William, William Defoe, Christian Slater and Shia LaBeouf in Lars von Trier's raunchy new film. But sources say she threw in the towel after discovering von Trier, who directed her 2003's Dogville, planned to make his actors romp for real. That's real sex. Nymphomaniac maniac follows sex addict Joe Gainsborough as he recounts her erotic experiences to a man who saved her from a vicious beating, it says here. I guess if she did that, she'd obviously be a, a sadomasochist. If she just got beaten up, she starts telling this other guy about her sex life. It may have scared Kidman off, but the prospect of having real sex on the big screen excites and terrifies Shia LaBeouf. The Transformers star was reportedly so desperate to be cast, he sent Von Trier home, made sex tapes to prove he was up to the part. What a disgusting lot, folks. But then you really don't know what's running you in your culture as you lap it up and what effect it's having in you and all those around you. Because it's not just dehumanizing, it's lowering your whole quality and value, value of life. That's the key to it, value of life. Another article I'll put up too is Name and Shame Social Workers site. It's not a bad site actually it seems, but it's mainly about Britain, but I think they're trying to expand into other countries because it's about people who are under the gun by social work departments that grab children, etc., etc. And uh, at least they're they're getting organized and fighting back because it's a huge business now in grabbing children. Uh, for the authorities, and again, they get, they're, they're involved in a lot of the pedo stuff themselves for those who haven't been following it over the years. So it's time they fought back to what's happening, and hopefully uh, they'll get something done. Another one too, uh, it's interesting, I noted, I never read the article, but I, I noted something about a week or two ago about uh, some futurist um, magazine talking about the coming phones, and eventually it gets into your brain, the chip in the brain, like the one they put in DARPA's um, paraplegic some years ago, uh, to make it all exciting. Well, good luck to you if you want that. Lots will go for it, and they won't live long. But anyway, it says mobile phones can cause brain tumours, the court rules. So a court has done this, a high court. A landmark court case has ruled there's a link between using a mobile phone and brain tumours, paving the way for a flood of legal actions. And it says, um, Innocent Marcolini, 60, an Italian businessman, fell ill after using a handset at work for up to six hours every day for 12 years. Now, Italy's Supreme Court in Rome has blamed his phone, saying there's a causal link between his illness and phone use. The son of, of, of Britain has learned. 
Mr. Marcolini said, this is significant for very many people. I wanted this problem to become public because many people still do not know the risks. I was on the phone using the mobile for at least five or six hours every day at work. I wanted it recognized that there was a link between my illness and the use of mobile and cordless phones. He says, yeah, patients need to, or parents need to know their children are at risk of this illness. And which is massive proof, actually. They keep doing studies every about four or five a year showing the same thing. As his British science have claimed, there is insufficient evidence to prove any link to mobiles, but the respected oncologist and professor of environmental uh, matogenesis, Angelino Gino Levi, gave evidence for Mr. Marcolini, along with neurosurgeon Dr. Giuseppe Grasso. He said electromagnetic radiation emitted by mobile and cordless phones can damage cells, making tumors more likely. They interfere with your DNA. They can shatter some of it. Professor Levi told the Sun, the court decision is extremely important. It finally, it's finally officially recognizes the link. It's open, it, it'll open not a road, but a motorway to legal actions by victims. We are considering a class action lawsuit. And that's really what it takes, you understand. There's so much. Once they start hitting them in the pocket, they have to start looking at it. Otherwise, your, your government's quite happy to go along with it and have you killed off too. They actually depopulate as well. And it says, his tumor was discovered in the trigeminal nerve near and close to where the phone touched his head. It says it's non-cancerous but threatened to kill him as it spreads to the carotid artery. In other words, it's non-malignant. The major vessel carrying blood to the brain. His face was left paralyzed and he takes daily morphine for pain. Alistair Phillips of Power Watch, which campaigns for more research on mobile use, said, this is an interesting case and proves the need for more studies. We can give more studies as we're all getting brain tumors. People should limit mobile and cordless use until we know more. The World Health Organization urged limits on mobile uh, use last year, calling them a Class B carcinogen. But a spokesman for Britain's Health Protection Agency says the scientific consensus is that mobile phones do not cause cancer. You see, the British Health Protection Agency is on the payroll of the big corporate boys, and they get a lot of grants from them given to them as well. And so it goes on and on. It says, the leader, uh, Mark Stevens, and his lawyer says the verdict could open the floodgates, even though there's no direct obligations on British courts to follow the tie-in's lead. He says, possible people will begin legal action here, but I think the chances of success are less. I think they'll join any class action in Italy. So good luck to them. By the way, they should do the same with these darned, uh, they actually were more powerful, even worse. Uh, smart meters are stuck in everybody's homes without permission. And um, because that's much, much more powerful than even your cell phone. And you really get zapped with that. If you've got a meter, you'll see it spiking like crazy all throughout your house many times a day. And that's deadly stuff. Deadly. Now, I've also I put up a link to a video uh, about a week ago or so where you saw the Spanish police with these big long batons just pummeling into the, the, the people who were peacefully protesting. And, and, and like vicious, vicious hoods. Of course, it's the same across the world now. And, um, and it really shows you that there's been people sitting in cafes and so on. And, come, and this come in cracking over the heads, uh, all for the hell of it. Because that's what happens when, as I say, the big power structure that you think is democracy takes a mask off. It's always been the same folks. It's sheer brute force that makes you obey anything. And even believe anything, for that matter. This is, uh, so Spain proposes a law prohibiting recording and capturing of local police in action. 
I'll put that up tonight too. This is a recently proposed law by the Director General of Spanish Police, Ignacio Cosido, is actually enacted. It is likely that, that live or replayed webcasts, photos, and any electronic recordings such as those seen recently from the Madrid anti-sovereignty riots may be a thing of the past, but not because they no longer exist, simply because very soon it may be illegal to actually record said events. El Paestold uh, uh, reports that authorities are studying the possibility that the next update to the public security law could include an article prohibiting the recording, processing or circulation on the internet of police officers performing their duties. That's when they bash your skulls in. If doing so would endanger them or the operation in which they were engaged. These are the same riot cops who typically wear gas masks and full riot attire and shields precisely to preserve their identity. But facts matter little when their liquidity tide is going out and all the Ponzi schemes are exposed to have been swimming naked. For now, Spain will be happy to little by little strip its citizens first of their rights to free expression, then all other rights as it slowly but surely sells the country into the, the Troika slavery. And remember too, What's happening there will happen anywhere, and it will come everywhere. Every country is ready for this. They've, they've built up internal armies for 30-odd years preparing for this part. You, see, you're living a long-term business plan. If you ever get, understand that, you'll understand the whole thing. Things only can make sense when you understand it that way. And nothing is unforeseen. Every possible move, including the bank crashes, when they would make the bank crashes happen, what they would get out of the bank crashes, meaning social-wise and, and politically-wise, and big changes for the world. It's all part of it, is these big central banks, private banks, get more money given to them. And now every citizen is, is not just bailing the banks out. Perpetually, you'll have to give cash to the banks, these big private corps that are running over. They're above governments. Did they be the government, the future government? I hope you understand this. You have to read your history, and then it'll make some sense to you. Now, in Texas, it says your strange domes are to line the Texas coast in preparation for something to come. And there's nice little photographs of these big domes. It says Houston, a disaster-proof domes that can sustain winds of excess of 250 miles per hour will cast cost taxpayers more than $50 a foot. But more than that, but then they're finished. FEMA has now offered to pick up the tab of at least $50 million. That means you're ta- yes, your tax money, folks. Uh, to install disaster shelters in and around Houston, and according to the manufacturer, that it's ABC Domes based out of Sealy, Division of Golden Sands General Contracting out of Miami, are almost impenetrable, it says. The company has been building these types of shelters for decades. The government has also offered to cover 75% of the costs on structures over 20,000 square feet in size. A, fa- a facility of this size would cost around $1 million. What's interesting is how recent reports vary in nature. Some say the domes are to protect citizens from hurricanes, while others say that the FEMA equipment will be held in domes. Actually, that's, that's also where they put you into. Uh, they mentioned that years ago in times of you know riots and stuff, they put you in the big domes, and you can't get out of them. So I'll put this link up tonight too. And with all the massive spraying that's going on, and the spraying has changed, by the way. They've added some more potent stuff to the spray. spreads faster for rain, much, much faster. It's also got a yellowish tinge when you see it getting sprayed in the sky. And then the sky becomes very dark, dark rapidly. And uh, and then you smell the stuff coming down. It really stinks. You get metallic taste in your mouth. And folk are getting asthma attacks all over the place because of it. Of course, it's not happening according to governments, you see. It's all under national security and they can't say anything about it. And they're killing all the bird life off and the small animals off and, of course, us as well. 
And it's the new normal. It's been here since 1998 across the world. And they're giving us the weirdest weather. UK experiences the weirdest weather, it says. And it says it's, it's had the weirdest on record in the past few months. Scientists say, you know, experts. The driest spring for over a century because they can stop rain, you see. Gave way to the wettest recorded April to June. A dramatic turnaround never documented before. Scientists said there was no evidence that the weather changes were a result of man-made climate change. No, they know enough to sense that they're doing it themselves. And look at all the incredible amount of photographs about the spraying coming from Britain and elsewhere. But experts, again, from the three bodies, oh, experts, warned the UK must plan for periodic swings of drought conditions and flooding, you see. Because, you see, they're manipulating all the weather now. I'll also put up that um, PDF from the US uh, Air Force, again, it's manipulating the weather, and how they have total weather control, etc., etc. I'll put that one up from the horse's mouth, for the, at least from the, from the American side of it. So it's uh, it's quite amazing as they've been doing it. You don't get rain now when you watch them spraying and spraying, then you get these monsoons coming down. That's part of it too. There are times they can, and they're using it for weather warfare. Uh, you understand? It's no coincidence that Rothschild bought over the Weather Channel, and at the same time, vastly within years, bef- a few years before it, into India and others with his was it Synergia, the GM company that he owns, modified company that he owns, and. Um, and bought up all the farms in India and elsewhere and started betting on a futures market for, for food, where it's going to be drought and where it's going to be flooded, etc. It's no coincidence, folk. These guys knew it was coming because they're all involved in it, including the spraying. Because they own the mines that all this crap comes out of that they're spraying on you. Back with more after this. Hi, folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. What a matrix it is, too, isn't it? And just mentioning, too, about all the spraying that's going on and how they put their food up on the world's futures market, and they bet on droughts and they bet on, on flooding. And, and, and a great thing for the guys in the know, isn't it? Because they know where they're going to flood and they know where they're going to give you drought. This is weather warfare. It's been well established, and so I'll put up some articles tonight from governments themselves talking about weather warfare. And it's, it's on. It's been on on you for quite a long time. A great way to control everyone through food, though, isn't it? And great profits as well for the guys who are managing it all. Also tonight, I'll put up a, a little video. It's quite amazing. A conversation with Bernie Marcus, or Marks, I guess is where they need to do the name from. The guy who owns the Home Depot. The guy who helped put under thousands of small businesses and, and lumber yards and so on. Because uh, they always monopolize these guys when they move in. They knock everybody out of business. And that's what they do. And uh, it's been doing that for a long time, these guys, like centuries and centuries. That's a standard thing. And then, of course, they, they take over and then jack all the prices up when there's no competition. So he's bitching about the state of the economy. Oh, my goodness. And how bad Obama is. Not that there are guys any better, but guys like Bernie have been given the word. You see, they're given the word from their own guys to, to go for the other guy. That's how it works. Bruce Springsteen, of course, Bruce Springsteen is campaigning for Obama in a video uh, I've got put up tonight too in, in Ohio, and um, he's, he's all the way there. I wonder if he'll sing "Born in the USA" for Obama, hey? Or is that a, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'll put that up tonight too. And um, this one here, put Victoria Grant, this little girl that 
came out with Canada's uh, video on Canada's banking system so a 12-year-old can understand it since it's given by a 12-year-old. It's very simple. And also, too, <laughs> this one here from the Telegraph that uh, members of Parliament, every year this happens, uh, they're refusing to disclose their, their expenses now because now the members of Parliament are getting all their public expenses from the taxpayer for their special houses when they have to attend Parliament and all that. And they buy lots of them. Then they're renting them to each other. We, we're paying for all their mortgages. Is it supposed to be working for the government? For you? <laughs> what a joke. I'll put that up too. It's quite interesting. And also, Miss Gillard in Australia, it goes through her history. She gave support for the union's group registration, the trade union association, for which hundreds of thousands of dollars were stolen by a former boyfriend of Prime Minister Julie Gillard, was registered only after Ms. Gillard vouched for its legitimacy to West Australian authorities. So she and her boyfriend seems to have diddled a lot of cash out of the, the union, actually. And that's been known for a while, but that's why all these laws came out to try to stop journalists talking about politicians. There's just too much muck to be raked up here, and they've done their best to do it. They've actually pulled in a, a, one journalist, actually, for being politically incorrect, and he's been ordered by the government to take journalism training. He's a radio talk show host. Quite something, isn't it, eh? <laughs> vote, remember, vote for democracy. <laughs> what a joke. Also tonight, I'll put up the, from the Daily Mail, there's a story about uh, armed militarized police SWAT teams, I'm not kidding you, that chased a cow, armed, you know, with machine guns and everything, and all their gear on, chased a cow that went AWOL during a market thing that was on. It jumped and started running through the streets. A young, a young heifer. And they machine gunned it down, for God's sake. This is the world you're living in today, and you think you'll accept this? Gunning down a cow that was making a break for freedom? You know? You shouldn't have armed SWAT teams walking around in any kind of natural society, folks. And you're all taking it for granted. God help you. God help us all. From Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your God school with you.